You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. So we come to our third session on a series called Prayers of the Righteous. And at the top of your page, you'll see I've written out the prayer, uh, sorry, the, the line again from James 5:16 that says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we're looking through people who have been credited as righteous by the power of God and by their uh, faith in God. We're looking at people at the moment in the Old Testament and however long this series runs, I've no idea, but we could run into the New Testament and look at some prayers in in the New Testament as well. But right now, um, I want us to look in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We're going to look at the prayer of Jabez and I've put at the top praying for blessing or praying for blessings, if you like, or praying for a blessing. But the whole idea is Jabez prayed that God would bless him. And some find that a little bit awkward, a little bit controversial, that we're praying that God would bless us. But I want us to be encouraged, as I did on Sunday, and you can catch up on that talk um, on brixham.church forward slash listen, where I was talking about prayer there. And Jesus is message about prayer and and talking about shameless audacity in prayer it's okay to ask for stuff so we're going to have a little look at that today and I've got a few thoughts to share but rather than just read the two verses that are relevant just to back up and give us a feel of what 1 Chronicles 4 is like it's one of those passages where when you're disciplining yourself to read through the whole Bible it's one of those passages you come to and think ugh I've got to one of these line after line of names so I've backed up a little bit and we'll give you a few verses before and a few verses after and I I'd like to do that just to show how much of a standout couple of verses these are they really do stick out and I was going to say like a sore thumb but it's something nicer than a sore thumb but anyway verse one the descendants of Judah Perez Hezron Kami Hur and Shobel and so it goes on I've skipped some verses the sons of Helah in verse seven Zereth Zohar Ethman Kaz father of Anab and Hazo Beba and the day and the clans of I should have rehearsed that really of Ahahel son of Haram, yeah. So it's it's kind of eight verses of that. Verse nine goes on. Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, "I gave birth to him in pain." Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, "Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory." Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Then it goes back into the list. Caleb, Shuhar's brother, was the father of Mehir, who was the father of Eshton. And so it just goes on and on with the names. So it really does stick out. And it makes you wonder, why did the Holy Spirit inspire the writer to give this extra information about this one character in the list of names. And Jabez, as far as I know, isn't mentioned ever again in the Bible. If he is, you can correct me afterwards. Um, But he's certainly not a standout character as far as the great Bible stories goes. And he's just got these two verses about him. What is it about this little extra that the Lord wants his readers to understand? There must be some things we can... There must be some things we can learn 
by looking at it. So I've got four sections really. The first one is about about labeling because if you look at it Jabez was labeled from the start. In fact his name sounds like the word pain. Another bit I read this afternoon was saying it that the, the word can mean sorrowful. Imagine having that as your name. You know it's it, it's the sort of thing where if if you knew the mother at the time you might question her wisdom saying you know you've got this little baby boy and what you're going to call him I'm going to call him pain it's like and imagine he's 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 been called in for tea when he's just a little bit old, older and uh, and he's been called pain pain you're coming in for your tea pain and he's just made some new friends and he's like a bit embarrassed about his name and he's see my mind's wandering now and he's uh, he's introduced himself as Jay yeah I'm called Jay uh, and then his mum calls him in, Jabez! What, you're called Pain? Yeah, 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 that's my name. That's my name. And to be repeatedly told and reminded, I mean, I know, not from first-hand experience, obviously, childbirth is painful. I have witnessed two births um, of my two children, and I know the pain is like no other. But to call your child pain, however painful the childbirth was, the idea would be that your child would outlive you. And so when you're dead and gone, your child is still called pain. It's just not very wise, I don't think. I don't know what state of mind his mum was in to call him something that sounds so much like pain. So he was a pain from the start. But... As we read, he didn't let that stop him asking God to bless him. And I just feel like saying, whatever labels we've been given, and we've all been given labels at different times, it could be called thick, clumsy, addict, stupid, pathetic, all sorts of, you know, different things we can be labelled as. They're labels that come from outsiders, and even from our own parents we can be labelled, and that's powerful. If you're labelled by an authority figure, you look up to that person and you tend to believe that it's true. Especially when you're younger and growing up being called pain. Looking up to your parents and being called pain. It's got to have an effect on the psyche. And I think that's true for all of us today. Whatever start we've had in life, the way we are labelled can affect us dramatically. But for Jabez, he didn't let him he didn't let that stop him. He just went on and he prayed for blessing. And um, sometimes, I, I mean, I've spoken to lots of people in my, in both, both my two main jobs are working here and working as a teacher. And in both of those, I've spoken to lots of people and uh, particularly young people who, uh, who get into all sorts of depression. And I've sp spoken to children who've, who've got into self-harming and, uh, and, um, and, and all sorts of emotional problems um, and sometimes people have felt like that their existence is more harmful than useful. Imagine feeling like that, that your existence is more harmful than useful. What a horrible lie of the devil that is, that people end up feeling that way. But Jabez, he rose up somehow, something about him was honourable, and um, he didn't let the label stop him asking. And that's what I would say to you. Whatever feel, you feel like the labels are on your life, don't let the label stop you asking. You are worthy. You've been made worthy. Everybody in this room has, has given their life to Jesus. They've surrendered to him. You've been made worthy and you can ask him for anything. 
and Jabez did. Still on this point about labelling. Many of us have heard of Craig Groeschel. He leads possibly the largest church in America. It started in 1996 and now has over 30 locations with around 100,000 people in attendance on weekends. 100,000 people in attendance on weekends. It's called Life Church. On their website, it's life.church. And they're the guys who have created the Bible app that most of us use, the Uversion Bible app. They do that all for free. All the resources they use are for free. They've just got a real giving spirit, um, and it's an incredible church setup. At Bible College, the founder of that church, Craig Rochelle, was in a class of 40 students, 4-0, 40 students. At the end of the course, 39 of them were ordained. Craig was the one who wasn't ordained. His denomination believed his methods and style were too unorthodox. He was labelled. He was labelled as different. In fact, to many in the Bible college, he was a pain. But perhaps the very thing that others saw as a problem was something God had put in him for a purpose. Don't let an external label deter you from being all that God has called you by name to be. You've got a new name. Let's follow what God says about us, not what man says about us. So this series talks is about prayer. So when you pray, don't let the labels of the past stop you praying. Audacious, heartfelt prayers. The second thing I think we can learn is to do with honour. Jabez, it says in verse 9, was more honourable than his brothers. I guess that's how Jabez stood out to God and perhaps why he's um, elaborated upon in these passages He's different from his family members. And the, the, the word honourable can also mean respected. And if someone is respected, it's something that is seen by others. So he wasn't just honourable before God. He was respected. So he was honourable. He stood out. He was different. There was something about him. And I believe this is one of the key components in effective prayer. We've, we've got at the top of our page on the first side, it says the prayers of the powerful person. Sorry, the, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective and I know we're all righteous because Jesus has saved us we've all been declared righteous but there is a sense in which God is more likely to respond positively to a person who's living in line with biblical principles and I know that kind of seems to contradict this idea well we're all righteous and there is this kind of grace teaching that says well grace is so great that um, God will just answer us however much we're sinning but there are scriptures that just bring a little bit of balance about that. In Psalm 66, the writer says, if I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Some of us cherish sin in our hearts. He's interested in our hearts and it becomes a blessing blocker. It becomes something where we're not as honourable before God. And in James 4.3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive. And this is written to believers. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wrong motives, even from New Testament believers, will cause God not to answer the prayer. And then in 1 John 3, John says, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. We're doing what he 
We're doing what he commands and we're pleasing him. So Jabez was a man of honour. It stood out amongst his brothers. And I believe that's partly why God answered his prayer. Third point is that Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. So first of all, we learned something about labelling. We're not going to let labels get in the way of our prayers. The second thing we learned was that honour is important. Living an honour, not an honourable life, an honourable life. Thirdly, crying out to the God of Israel. That's what it says. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. He knew where to direct his, his prayers. In, in, in Jabez's time, he was surrounded by Canaanite um, people who had false gods all around. And, and these Canaanite false gods incessantly kept creeping into um, Israel, Israelite life. But Jabez didn't turn to the foreign gods. He turned to the covenant God of Israel. That's a key. And I, I know none of us are probably tempted to cry out to Canaanite gods. Um, I don't even know the names of many of them, just a couple. But I'm not going to cry out to Baal or Ashtoreth or whoever else there is. Um, but sometimes when I've got a problem, before I pray, I might surf the internet looking for the answer. I might call a friend or just throw money at a problem and leave God out of the equation. Direct your prayers to God and have some patience. Give him a chance to answer. He may be waiting for you to prove you really are giving the problem to him. To him. So we're going to cry out to the God of Israel. We're not going to let labels get to us. And we're going to... Um, we're going to... Um, be honourable in our lifestyles and we're going to cry out to the God of Israel. He is the first place we go to, whatever our situation is. But the fourth point, we get to the actual prayer. I want to talk a few moments about audacious asking. Let's have a look at verse 10. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. We now know that Jabez was honourable, he was right with God. We also know, know he cried out to the living God rather than taking his emotions elsewhere. But I've seen and I've, I've read different breakdowns of this prayer, not many, I've had a little look around at what people have said about this prayer, but I've chosen to see four areas, as I've written on your sheet, um, in this prayer. He prays first of all for God's blessing, then for God's growth, then for God's hand, and then for God's protection. Let's spend a couple of minutes looking at each of those. God's blessing. Some of us might hear this kind of prayer being discouraged. It's all about me. I'm praying for me. That's wrong. It's all about you, Jesus. We've even got a song about it. It's all about you as if you should do things my way. But the truth is, God wants to bless you. So don't be shy to pray this prayer. In fact, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to his power that works in us and I think sometimes he's waiting for us to ask and he's waiting for us to persistently ask we don't know how many times Jabez prayed this prayer but he prayed for God's blessing and what I do like about this prayer is he doesn't tell God how to bless him he just says just bless me bless me indeed like proper bless me full-on blessing please but he doesn't say how he doesn't prescribe the blessing and I kind of think that's quite important 
might be that God can now bless him financially or spiritually or give him a large family, which would have been a great blessing to him. But he doesn't tell God what to do. However, the next point is that he does pray for God's growth. And it does seem that that is a prayer for material gain. It's more specific. But when I started to think about it, I, I remembered again what I was saying before about how uh, we're, we're surrounded by Canaanite gods and that are creeping into Israelite life. And, and Jabez was surrounded by these Canaanites. And, and those Canaanites were living in the land that God had promised. So the more God enlarges Jabez's territory, the less territory belongs to the Canaanites. So it's a kingdom prayer. Those Canaanites, they were, they, were, they were living particularly disgusting lives. God had to wipe them out. Wife swapping, child sacrificing, disgusting lifestyles. So if Jabez's territory, and Jabez is an honourable man, increases and the Canaanite territory decreases, why don't we pray some kingdom-minded prayers? And let's pray for increase so that we can increase kingdom finance. Let's pray for increase so that we can increase kingdom territory in this town. Let's pray for God's growth. It's not selfish. Many, con many Christians, I think, are content to remain as they are in the faith. I took some notes from here from um, a preacher called Francis W. Dixon, who's from um, somewhere in Dorset, and he's got his own website. And he, he writes about this um, particular prayer. He says... We need to pray that the Lord will enlarge our territory, increase our capacity, deepen our faith, inflame our love, give us more opportunities, make us more usable and conform us more to the image of his son. That's the kind of growth we can learn from Jabez. So this prayer for growth isn't selfish at all. In fact, the same writer I've just quoted goes on to say it's actually very costly because whenever God helps you grow there's always discipline involved there's always testing so it's not a selfish prayer at all praying for growth is something we need to be prepared for the process if that's what we're going to do and also we need to be prepared for stewarding the new growth it's a costly prayer to pray it's not selfish at all especially if we're praying for it with a kingdom mind so we're praying for God's blessing. We're praying for God's growth. And I love this. We're praying for God's hand. Let your hand be upon me. And I, I felt like splitting this into two ideas. I, I, I did kind of Google um, what does the hand of God, God symbolize generally in the Bible. And there's lots of things about his power and, and different th times where you could do a whole study on the hand of God. And uh, I'm sure some of us have, have done that. Um, but the two things I kind of like thinking about today is, number one, a helping hand, and number two, a guiding hand. The first thing, the helping hand, is Jabez prays that God's hand would be with him. Let us too pray for God's presence in our everyday lives. This prayer is asking for God to manifest himself in tangible, practical ways. He prays for, for God's hand. He doesn't say, let your spirit be with me, which would be great, nothing against that. But there's just something physical, isn't there, about the image of a hand. The anthropomorphism of, of thinking of God as having a hand. It's like God's hand is on my life. The hand works. The hand does things. The hand is a practical uh, part of the body. And asking to see God's hand at work in my life is an exciting thing. And, and all of us in this room can testify to how we've seen God 
manipulate might be the wrong word because it's got a negative connotation, but manipulate things or engineer situations so that we end up living in a certain town, sitting next to a certain person at a conference. He, his hand has been at work in our lives, a helping hand, but also a guiding hand. And I just remembered the hand of God thinking about um, Ezra, who, who was given a speedy and safe journey to Jerusalem because in Ezra 7 verse 9 it says because the gracious hand of the Lord was on him it tells you when he set off and when he arrived arrived in Jerusalem and he credits the gracious hand of the Lord was on him and that's what we want in our lives isn't it the gracious hand of the Lord on us guiding us leading us forward so let's pray for God's hand on our activities as a church and as individuals too just Let's pray tonight when we've finished um, listening to what I have to say in a few moments. Let's pray for God's hand on, on all that we do at Brixham Community Church. The final thing is he prayed for God's protection. This audacious asking, as if asking for blessing, growth and God's hand wasn't enough. He says, keep me from harm. And this must be really close to his heart, mustn't it? Here's a guy who knows he caused pain from the beginning and he was named after that pain. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. I wonder if he feels like he'd spoil his mum's life. <laughs> or, um, because one of the versions says that rather than that I'll be free from pain is that, that, that my life won't be spoiled um, or that it just won't spoil life. What he prays, is completely endorsed though by Jesus who teaches his disciples to pray that God would not lead us into temptation or testing same word and to deliver us from evil and that's what the word can mean here keep me from harm can be translated keep me from evil so he's literally praying deliver me from evil which is echoed by Jesus so much later on they're important prayers to pray one good prayer we can pray uh, is in, in line with this is to, to steal some words from 2 Timothy 4.18 where it says, Thank God the Lord is able to deliver us from evil and to enable us to live a life that is glorifying to him, a life that is pure, holy and Christ-like. That's a good prayer to pray, just a, a prayer of faith, thanking God that he's able to deliver us from evil and, and enable us to live lives worthy of the calling so Jabez prayed pretty audaciously for blessing for growth for God's hand and for protection and I think the reason he was included in this long list of names with this elaboration about Jabez's prayer is because we can learn all those things too so if we're going to pray like Jabez prays we're going to put aside any labels we've had imposed on us by others or even by ourselves because we're going to realise who it is that God declares us to be. We're going to recognise our righteousness in Christ as we, uh, sorry, as our true label. We must live lives worthy of that calling. So we're going to be honourable. We're going to cry out to the God of Israel as our first response, with all other means of help taking second place. We're going to ask audaciously and unashamedly for God to bless us. We're going to pray for growth for the sake of the kingdom. And we're going to ask God's guiding and helping hand to be upon us. And we're going to pray and believe for God's protection. What a lot we've learned from just a couple of verses in the middle of a list. Thanks for listening. 
For more information, visit Brixham.Church.